Welcome to the Woe Podcast about horses and horsemanship. I'm John Hare, and you found the place where we talk horses. Today on the show, I have a very old friend back in, I think it was 2005, I would volunteer for the Clinton Anderson Walkabout Tour. But uh, I met a man from Missouri by the name of John Zeliff. And John and I got to be uh, good friends for the weekend that we were together, and we've stayed in touch over the years. Now, John is the president of the North American Trail Riding Conference, and we had Sarah Rinney on the show back in 2021. And I thought it'd be fun to connect with John. He's on the Skype line with me today. Good morning, John. How are you doing? Good morning. I'm doing great. Well, Sarah did a very good job back in 2021 of explaining the NATRC. She's very good and tough act to follow, for sure. (laughs) Just a little bit about our background. When, uh, gosh, it's been been over 15 years now. I know we were at the Las Vegas tourcation, and then I think we were one uh, at one in Northern California as well. Yes. You spent a couple of years touring with Clinton Anderson. How was that experience for you? Well, I did. I, and he took me with him, gosh, probably 13 or 14 years. And I, I like to say he drug me across the country from coast to coast and border to border practically. And But it was a real positive experience. And I learned a lot. Every tour, I always learned something. I came away with more knowledge, which I really appreciated. And made me definitely a better horseman just from those experiences. Is that how you started with horses with Clinton's method or had did you have a history before that? No, I'd been I'd had a history before that. I had horses growing up and then before I met Clinton I was kinda looking for some information, some instruction, if you will, and and I attended the horse expo in Kansas called Equifest. And you know how you go to the horse expos and events and they have presenters and stuff. And they had some young guy in the arena that had this Australian accent that I thought, well, well let me go check him out, see what he's about. And I sat in on his demo and it just, things just clicked and like he made sense. And I understood what he was doing and made it in simple terms, easy to understand. And I just definitely related and, so afterwards, I went over and visited with him and talked to him. And I think the next day, I watched his next demo and, and visited with him again. Next thing I know, I get a phone call and, and want to know if I could help out with the tour that was going to be in Salina, Kansas in a few weeks. And I said, yeah, I'll do that. So anyway, from then on, he, we just developed a nice partnership. And we have a good, there's a good road crew. I don't do it anymore, but there's a great road crew that goes out that does all the work behind the scenes and wonderful volunteers like yourself that just make it real rewarding to, to do that activity. That was a pretty fun crew. There was about seven, eight, ten of you guys that would hang together and go to every tour. Yeah. Well, back in the day, he'd do 20-some tours, and it wasn't feasible to take time off work and go to every single tour, so you kind of pick and choose. But then later years, you cut down the number of tours and tried to keep the same road crew for every tour, just made things a lot simpler logistically. 
And it's interesting, you say you learn something with every tour. I know that I think I did four of them. And every time, they were all basically the same format, but every time with a different horse, there was always something very valuable to learn. Yes, and I always described it as always meat and potato stuff. I mean, it was real stuff. It wasn't anything staged or put on. Yeah, the format may have been somewhat similar from tour to tour, but the horses, you know, were all new to him. He had never seen them before, and they responded sometimes differently. But his method, with you could see how it worked, and and you just got you just got really good stuff observing and watching, see how it actually is applied. Did you ever see him struggle with a horse at a tour? <laughs> One time in Des Moines, he actually laid a horse down, which is very. I don't know what the word is, but it will really get the horse to respond to you. But he doesn't never did like to do that in public. But he had one horse that was having a lot of difficulty, and he actually did that. But, yeah, the response afterwards was night and day with that horse. Oh, I bet. Yeah, sometimes that some horses just need that to or get into the program. Yeah, and, you know, he, it's not something you really like to do necessarily in front of an audience, per se. But, yeah, I it was what the horse needed and that's what he focuses on yeah you have to be pretty experienced to be able to do that yes well give us a little bit more about your background you're are you a rancher you because you were you raise cattle and do you and you do you farm hay and things like that i do I live on the family farm i'm actually a retired school teacher school administrator i did that for 31 years and at the same time i also kept kept the family farm going. I'm, I was the only child, so it all depended on me. When I first started teaching, I was raising hogs and cattle. You got row crops of corn and soybeans. You got hay ground. I did all the farming by myself, and I did it after school and weekends. Wow. Now that I retired, I jokingly say I farm in the daylight because I can, I can do it in the <laughs> daylight instead of after school and weekends, which is really nice. But yeah, I enjoy it. It's just, I live in my grandparents' place and where I grew up. And yeah, I just wouldn't want to be anywhere else. Wow. And how's the farming life? I mean, is it, uh, is it still viable? It is challenging. There's a lot of risk always involved. And there's things you can't control, like the weather, for one example, you know. And so, you, you know, you're always at the, you know, always at risk of not having a crop and this type of thing. But Every year is different, so we just keep doing what we do, and and we expect a, a good yield and good crop, and and uh, when we don't, we adapt and we make it through. And you started uh, trail riding, and then you joined the North American Trail Riding Conference. What got you into that? <laughs> I stumbled into it. Did you? <clears throat> I was home home from college back in the day, a couple of summers ago. And I spend all my time here with my grandparents. And I'd work during the day. And then in the, after supper, about seven, eight at night or whatever, I'd get on my horse and I'd go ride. And I just, there wasn't anybody around here to ride with. So I was always riding by myself. I'd tie on my transistor radio to the saddle horn so I could listen to the Kansas City Royals baseball game. <laughs> I described that as my perfect summer evening, just doing that. Well, one day I was out here at the farm here and somebody rode the horse by. Well, holy cow, who's that? So I ran over because we live right on the corner. There's a dirt road that goes east of our house. 
and they were riding up that dirt road, and I slowed them down and hollered at them, and it was turned out it was a neighbor that lived four miles to the north that I didn't even know existed. And this young lady was in high school, and we decided, well, gosh, there's nobody around here to ride with. Why don't we get together every once in a while and go riding? So we would call each other on our landlines and say, hey, you want to go riding? And she would ride her horse two miles south. I would ride my horse <laughs> two miles north. And then we'd go like east or west for a few miles and then head home. And we would be talking, you know, how you do when you're riding with right. people and you talk. And, and she was telling about a friend of hers that was doing competitive trail riding. And so she was telling all about it. And it just sounded real intriguing. And come to find out, there was a competitive trail ride, it's Natrack sponsored, about 20 miles from our house along the Interstate 29, about halfway between Omaha, Nebraska, and Kansas City, Missouri, in the Bluffs. And we thought, well, let's just do that. Why not? Let's give it a try. It's close to home. So we started planning that we would we would do that. So we each of us would ride our horses and get them in shape or whatever, and sometimes ride together. Uh, her uncle was a veterinarian in town, just started a new practice. We didn't have any way to get our horses there to the ride, but he had an old two-horse bumper pull trailer that was in the fence row. <laughs> and we dug it out of the fence row, <laughs> made sure it had a solid floor, had to replace a tire tube, put a couple of used tires on there. And, and then we had to teach our horses to load. And anyway, we had a way to get our horses over there. So we took our horses over to this ride. About what year was this? This would have been in, the, in August of 1978. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. And the only other time I'd ridden anywhere with my horse away from home, I hauled them in the back of my pickup and just put <laughs> the stock racks on, and that's how we went to the ride. And I just hoped when I got to where we were riding that there's a a bank where I can unload my horse <laughs> and load him back up. <laughs> so anyway, we, we got this horse trailer and we went to this ride and oh my gosh, we had such a positive, or I did, I had such a positive experience at the ride. I just fell in love with Natrack. And after that, I never got to ride another ride again because I went back, finished up school, college, um, started teaching and got married, had a family. And it wasn't until our girls had you know, moved out of the house and we were empty nesters and, and I had retired that finally had some time. I want to do another Natrack ride. So like 30 some years later, I do another ride. But in between 1978 and I think it was 2014, maybe I paid my dues. I paid the annual dues to Natrack every year. Oh, and the only reason I did it was to keep in, I wanted to keep up to date with what they were doing. Of course, there was no internet and no easy connectivity, so you had you had to be a member and you get their newsletter. Right. So right. every time their newsletter would come out, I would look at the ride results and the articles they had in their publications and stuff, and I just you know kept them all and I'd look through them you know, in the evenings and stuff. So anyway, I paid dues every year just to keep informed. And again, it's all the result of the positive experience I had at that very first ride. Has the ride changed from 1978 to 2014? You know, it's still basically the same. They still focus on the partnership between you and your horse, the safety. We focus on that, come away with more knowledge and just enhance that partnership that, that you have with the other horse. And, you know, still we have all the 
the pieces that are there. Rules change now and then, you know, and as far as maybe divisions and that type of thing. And but yeah, basically the format's still the same. We have two judges that judge you, which is kind of unique to our organization. We have a horsemanship judge that will evaluate you on as a rider on your horsemanship skills, how you interact with the horse and care for the horse on these long rides. And and then there's a licensed veterinarian that will check the metabolics of the horse, make sure you're not running them too hard, riding them too hard and safety of the horse and that type of thing. And so, yeah, you come away with two scorecards and your horse competes against the other horses and you compete against other riders as far as scores. But, the judges will make comments on the scorecards, which are always helpful. And you get the scorecards to take home with you, and you can use it to make yourself, you know, to improve what areas you need to work on. So, Right. And what distance was that trail ride back in 1978? The distances are still the same. We've, we have added a new division, but basically our, our novice division is either it could be a one-day ride or it could be a two-day ride. And each day, each um, for the novice division, it's a 15 to, I believe, 24-mile ride. And if it's a two-day ride, you're going to go 30 to 40 miles over the weekend. And then we have an open division, which is the faster and longer division, if you will. And they go 25 to 35 miles a day or 50 to 60 miles in a weekend for a two-day ride. Or it could even be a three-day ride, which would be 80 to 90 miles over three days. Yeah. At a little bit faster pace. And it's, if I remember correctly, it's not a race. It's more like a road rally. You have a time target to get from one point to another, and you don't want to get there too fast, and and you don't want to get there too slow. So you have to manage your horse and the trail at the same time. Yes. And that, that adds, that's a neat dimension that we have. It's, I, I consider ourselves, we're a timed event, but we're not a race. Right. And you have, a, like you said, a window of time to complete a specified distance. And that's a 30-minute window. So if you come in too early, you'd get penalized because, you know, you may be pushing your horse too hard for the location or the condition for the trails. And likewise, if you came in too late, you would get penalized, you'd lose points because, you weren't managing your time well, or you know, maybe you got lost, who knows, <laughs> but you could, you know, you got to finish within that 30 minute window of time. And there's several timing points during the ride. So, you know, what, you know, it's not a surprise at the end. You come, you monitor and, and strategize your ride as you go. You know, I'm, I'm right at midtime at this point, or oops, I'm there catch up. I'm falling behind that type thing. So we were talking earlier before we, turn the mics on and you were talking about the Pony Express and you're at the starting point and the uh, NATRAC convention this year was in Sacramento, which was the end point of the Pony Express. Does that have anything to do with the thrill of you getting into competitive trail riding? Well, I don't know. You know, I manage a ride not too far from where the Pony Express started in St. Joe, Missouri. And then we had our national convention in Sacramento. So Going to where the, the Pony Express ended was definitely on my list of things to do while we were out there. Did you grow up reading about the Pony Express and the life of those riders? Because that was, you know, as a young boy, that, that was kind of a thrilling story for me, too, to, to read about those guys that, yeah. even though it only lasted like 18 months or something. 
but less in Yes, yes. Yeah, no, definitely very interested in it. Been to the, the stables there in St. Joseph, Missouri before. We even have a Natrack ride at one of the Pony Express stations in oh, Fairbury, right. Nebraska. And it's really cool. It's a popular uh, location because of the history part that's involved. But yeah, we ride the same trails that the, the Pony Express did at that ride. Wow. And how many rides do you go on a year? Are you able to do? I usually try to make it to all our rides in our region. Natrek has six regions across the country, and we're in region six here in the Midwest. And uh, We usually have six, eight, ten rides a year, and I try to make it to all of them. There's usually not too many I don't make it to. How's your horse? <laughs> you use well, the same one on the, uh, for every I, ride? I've been using two of them just to split it up a little bit. I grew up with just quarter horses, and that's all I ever had until I came up with a team of Belgians and started doing special events and parades and weddings and that type of thing with my team of Belgians. But, but I always rode quarter horses around here, and that's what I was used to. Well, for some of these Natrack rides, I've switched over, and I'm riding the Missouri Foxtrotter. And it's my first experience with a gated horse, and I don't know if I'm doing the horse justice or not. We have a good time. We get along really well, but I always feel like I'm turning it into a quarter horse. That, <laughs> that horse can cover the ground. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and I make the analogy, like, my quarter horses, you know, I can get on there, and if I'm thirsty, uh, you know, have a bottle of water, no problem. Well, on this gated horse, I think I could, like, drink out of a glass because <laughs> it's so smooth and you just really, yeah, it's that gate's pretty cool, and it covers the miles. We hung out with Rob Dixon, who puts on a ride here in Tehachapi, and it's yeah. about an hour away. And as we're sitting around waiting for the scores to come in, there were all these people talking about how wonderful gated horses were for these types of rides. <laughs> I don't think I've never they been really on are. a gated horse. I've never been on a gated yeah. horse. Now, one thing about our sport, too, it's open for any horse. It doesn't have to be, like I say, it doesn't have to be a gated horse. It doesn't have to be a cool horse. It can be any horse. We have mules that ride. So it's not breed-specific at all. And same way with our tack. You just use the tack that you normally use. You don't have to have anything special to get started. Sometimes, you know, people will start fine-tuning their tack selection and stuff based on our event. But to get started, you just use what you're always using. Yeah, that's what I liked about your sport is if you like to trail ride, it's like you guys set up the the rides that just make it kind of fun to go out and ride. You're kind of doing an event, right? So it's uh, you'd be doing what you're normally doing, but it gives you a, a, a starting point and a finishing point. Yes, yep. And like I said, we focus on safety and we'll have we have safety riders that follow our riders. You know, if a horse gets in trouble or a rider has an issue or whatever, you know, we, we got that covered. And, and during the ride, we stop and check the horse's pulse and respiration, and we check metabolics on the horse. And so our focus on safety is a critical part. It's an important part. Because you've done so many rides, there's there have had to be some things that kind of happened on different rides. Give us an idea of maybe one or two of the more exciting stories you have to tell from one of your rides. One thing that comes to mind, because I just mentioned the ride we're at the Pony Express table in Fairbury, Nebraska, at Rock Creek Station. Um, day one of the ride was great. Trails were in super shape. You know, had an excellent ride on, on Saturday. 
Sunday, forecast had kind of changed. Weather was not going to be quite as cooperative, and we headed on out. And about halfway through the ride, here comes a huge thunderstorm. I mean, it was just a downpour. And we were worried about, of course, the lightning. We had to get off the trail and, and start to get some hail and, and some really bad weather. <laughs> and we re- we just happened to be at, they've got a farm set up that where the Pony Express station used to stand. And they put up these cabins and barns, arenas or round pens or whatever that resembled the way it was back when it was a Pony Express station. So uh-huh. a lot of people come and visit. So, so we're right there at that farmstead. And so we get off our horses. We put them in the round pen. We take our saddles off. We hide them underneath the uh, cover. And then the buildings were all locked up because we we take out early in the morning. We stood around the side of these buildings underneath the roof edge to try to keep the rain as much as possible off of us. But we stood out there in the thunderstorm. It, was, it definitely made a memory <laughs> of that ride. Did, did, did the storm pass so you guys get back on and ride? or did The storm you... passed. And, well, and it had rained so much, then we went ahead and called the ride because we try to be good stewards of the trails also. And riding the muddy trail isn't the best thing for some of these trails. And right. we don't want to tear up the trails too much. I mean, yeah, if we've been a light rain and we got out there, we would have kept going and that type of thing. But, but yeah, so we ended up having to call the ride after that, so unfortunately. Do you have a lot of trail riding areas in your region? Do, are you riding on private property or is it, all, is it public mm-hmm. property? Most of the rides, kind of a combination of the both. A lot of the rides are on public property. Our Region 6 rides take place right now primarily in the four-state area of Iowa, Missouri, Nebraska, and Kansas. We ride on some fox hunting property. There's a fox hunting club down by Leavenworth, Kansas, that we ride on their property. And that's just an example. You know, the public areas, a lot of people can always ride those and but we also get an opportunity to ride on some private areas that a lot of people wouldn't get to ride normally. So that's kind of a neat thing, too. If you're riding on a public area, do you ever come across public riders while you're riding on <laughs> we your... We do. <laughs> yeah. Yes, yes. And there's always plenty of room on the trail. And Like I say, we're not racing, per se. And so we always you know, practice trail safety, getting over to the side, and making room for if we meet other riders or sometimes you meet hikers, you know, just people out there enjoying walking and enjoying the trails. And sometimes we meet people on bicycles, depending on the, the location and if they allow bikes. So yeah, we, we share the trails. It's not, we don't do it exclusively just to us when we go out there and ride on those public areas. Is your region one of the larger regions for NATRAC? No, I wouldn't say we're the largest. Between all six of the regions, we have some that have, Maybe a few more rides, a few more members. You know, there's, there's a little variance between all the regions. Because I think the one in Tehachapi, I think that's about the closest one to us. I think there's one in San Diego. Uh-huh. There's a Natrack ride in San Diego. but I got a little story. When we were out there for National Convention in Sacramento, that's Region 1, and that's where Natrack started 61 years ago. Oh, wow. And... In 1961, the very first ride took place 
in California, east of the Bay Area there in Northern California, Mount Diablo was the very first ride. Oh, wow. And, yeah. And I'm at the convention, visit, try to visit, you know, many people as I can. I started visiting with this one couple that come into the, the workshop room and come to find out that lady rode in that very first no. ride. <laughs> it's Labor Day in 1961. And her husband now, they rode together the next year. At some of the, they were some of our earliest riders. Oh my gosh, I just enjoyed visiting with them so much. It was awesome. And I made a contact the next, that evening, and I was able to locate that lady's scorecard from her very first ride. Oh. They emailed it to me, and I saw her the next morning, and I got my phone, and I showed her. I go, here's your scorecard. And it was great. Oh, oh my, my gosh. gosh. It was a real special moment. Oh, that is. That is very special. 61 years. Man, that is that is a long time. And she still ride? I believe so, yes. Yes. Very cool. Well, she's still interested in Natrack because you met her at the convention, right? I met her at the convention, yeah, and her and her husband. And um, I think she had had a little bit of health issue, but her, definite, her goal was definitely to get back in the saddle again, still do that. Oh, that that's what keeps you motivated. Oh, yeah. It was great. It was great. It's one of the things I noticed about the ride that happened here is that the people were also very friendly and welcoming. I mean, there were experienced riders, and a lot of times um, they were helping the less experienced riders. I think someone even needed a, a, a smaller cinch for their horse on the second day, and someone stepped in and said, hey, I got one. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's very typical. We're, I always describe us as being very welcoming and and yeah, if somebody's forgotten something or needs something they didn't bring, just ask around. Somebody will have it in the trailers, and they'll bring them out. And here you go, have at it. But yeah, we focus on mentoring. You know, if we got new people, we'll team them up with somebody and out there on the trail so they don't feel overwhelmed at all. And one of the things we do on a, with our horses too during the ride, you know, we said we're timed in and come in with a completed certain distance within a window of time. And our horses are evaluated on metabolics, and our riders are judged how we ride our horse, maybe going uphill or downhill. We're in good rider positions, so we don't make the horses back sore, and we can go further. But we do obstacles as well, and we're judged on these obstacles. And all our obstacles are natural obstacles. We don't take pool noodles out there or anything like that, but they're all obstacles that you find on the trail. They may ask you to... uh, straddle a log and side pass across the log or maybe back between two trees or whatever. So they're all natural obstacles, but they're all things that actually have a safety factor involved because, you know, what if you're with your horse and you got in a situation where you needed to make your horse back up? I mean, is he going to do it or back, back around a tree or around an, an obstacle or whatever? So, yeah, we, we do that on the, on, out on the trail and evaluate all riders. And the key to that is just like what Clinton would say, you know, get your horse to move his feet forwards, backwards, left and right. And right. Once you got that under control with your horse, then you can maneuver around any obstacle. Did it take much for you to learn pacing your horse, like, or just trail smarts during a ride? Well, 
the pacing, yeah, yeah, it takes a little bit of time. You do some conditioning miles, get our horses in shape, and that's when you can get a good feel for how fast your horse steps out or walks or how fast, you know, maybe walk, trot. Sometimes we can, or usually walk or trot. Like my quarter horses, when I rode them, I figured they kind of go about three and a half mile an hour. And I just determined that just over time, just kind of checking my time and distance and kind of getting an idea of what my horse's pace is. Fox Trotter, he moves out a little bit faster. He's not quite at four on a normal walk, but he, he gets out there a little bit faster. So you get a feel for that. And then, yeah, during the ride, you can, like I said, there's usually five or six or more points where they will give you the mileage, you know, along the, the whole overall trail. And then you can check your time against that where you are and you'll know whether you're at midtime or not. And with the technology these days, it's even easier. Right. You know, I, I got a Garmin watch now. I didn't get the, the latest, greatest version, but I got one, an older version. But, hey, it gives me my my mile an hour uh, speed and my distance and time. And that's Those are the three factors I need. So it makes it kind of easy then. Right. And a lot of people have their phones now so they can... Yes. Use it, uh, any one of a number of different apps to track their mileage and miles per hour and things like that, too. And there's strategy involved, too. You know, it could be the weather. You know, here in the Midwest, it gets hot and humid um, right. in the summer. And so if we take out just the first light to try to avoid as much of the heat as we can, so we get in before it gets really hot in the afternoon. And if we know it's going to be a hot, humid day, then we may pick up our pace in the morning while it's cooler. And that way, when it warms up and then later in the ride, we can slow our pace down and still finish within that window of time. So experience kind of brings those things to you. And that's the kind of stuff if you're riding out on a long trail ride, just anywhere, you want to kind of use your horse judiciously so that you have plenty of horse to get back home at, at the end of the day. Right, right. Because we check our horses in when we get back, and um, they'll they'll check the make sure the horse is sound and able to continue the next day. Again, the safety of the horses is, is paramount. How old is your horse? The... My, my fox trotter is about seventeen years old. Yeah, yeah. And our horses, you know, to compete in our with an A track, they need to be four years old for our novice and CP divisions, or if they're doing the open, which is the longer, faster ride, they need to be a, a minimum of five years old. So 17 years old, he's in pretty good shape then, huh? She does great, yeah. She just likes to go, go, go. We did add, recently, last few years, a new division. It's kind of introductory division, and we call it our leisure division, uh-huh. and it goes a little slower pace, a little shorter distance. It goes 8 to 12 miles a day. And they're just one day rides and they're designed. So if you just, maybe you can't get away for the whole weekend, you know, cause usually the format is you come in on Friday night for a regular ride, have a ride briefing and check your horse in on Friday and, and then ride Saturday and or Sunday with the leisure. You can come in the same day as a ride and compete for one day and then go home if you will, if you want, or you can stay and maybe there'll be a second leisure ride the next day. It's great. I mean, eight, 12 miles, you could depend on the terrain. You could almost just 
pull that horse out of the pasture and compete. <laughs> uh, with, you know, not doesn't have to be in the best of shape, but it definitely can get you through the ride and introduce you to the sport. And then from there, you can, you know, build the endurance and work your way up in the competitions. And so you have to be a, a member to, to participate in one of the rides. What's the membership cost? Uh, you don't have to be a member at all. Oh, that's cool. We delineate our ride entry fees. If you're a member, you get a discounted rate. Okay. Uh, but you don't have to be a member to, to do this, our competitive trail riding. But if you do, we have different levels of membership. We have a competing membership. We have adult, which is $75 a year. And it includes sponsor discounts for that membership. You, your mileage is, lifetime mileage is tracked. And of course, you get awards, year-end awards if you're eligible. And you get access to our um, Hoofprint magazine and any email news that goes out, on our email distribution list and that type of thing. John, um, when Sarah was on, she mentioned something about a, a free membership. Is that program still going on? It is. We have a opportunity for people that are brand new, that have never been a member before, um, to join and, and receive a free membership to Matrack. So, yeah, it's for first-year members that have never been a member before. That first-year membership is free. And we do a lot of clinics across the regions, and clinics are a great way to learn about the sport. So that first ride you go to, you don't feel intimidated or not near as intimidated, I guess, but, you know, we try to eliminate that altogether, right. but you at least know what you're doing, what to expect. And our clinic participants, we really encourage that. Go ahead and become a free member and try us out. Dip your toe in the water and see what you think. And if you can come to three rides, qualify for year-end awards. And Matrix's really good at giving out awards. So that's the fun part at the end. Free memberships are definitely a, a very positive and popular program. We find that majority of those people that do the free memberships, they go ahead and become a member then following that the next year. And then uh, maybe you're just interested in supporting the sport. You just want to stay involved like I did all those years. Uh Now they have a fan membership and it's a $35 membership, which gives you some of the same perks, but not all of them. And it's a non-competing membership, but maybe you've competed for several years and now you've, you're retired and, but you still like to come out and volunteer at rides because a, a ride takes several volunteers to put on. It's, yeah. it's not just one or two people managing a ride, but you got a whole host of people that help. And maybe you're one of those and you want to keep showing your support to, to NATRAC and you could be a fan member. Very cool. And if you've ridden 61 years ago, someone can find your score <laughs> sheet. <laughs> That's right. Isn't that, that cool? That, that was great. That doesn't oh my boggles gosh. You should have seen the look on that lady's face. It was <laughs> awesome. It was awesome. And the one thing I enjoyed about it was the scorecards have changed an awful lot over the years. Uh-huh. I mean, it was a pretty basic, subjective scorecard. It still had a vet judge, and you still had a horsemanship judge. It still had the two judges. The scorecards now are, are a whole lot different. They provide a lot of great information for riders. And, you know, like say, you can compete against, you're competing against others, but you're also competing against yourself. And I always try to, at a ride, I want to finish and I want to have fun. And then everything else is icing on the cake. And I take my scorecards and I come home and they give me, it gives me things that I can work on to improve my horsemanship skills 
after the ride back home. And there's a lot of value to me for that. So what was something that was mentioned on a scorecard that you then took home and then worked on with your horse? One example would be um, <laughs> during check-in, my fox trotter, sometimes she gets a little excited. She she calms down after we start going the first day, but sometimes on that Friday afternoon check-in, if we've hauled a long ways, four or five hours to a ride, we get there and I get her all groomed and ready for the check-in. Sometimes she's like still, she's kind of excited because she's at a new location, there's different people around and other horses around. And sometimes I, <laughs> she wouldn't always stand still for me, for the judge to evaluate her. You know, I try to stay on the same side of the horse as the judge when they're checking the horse's metabolics. But I would have to sneak around on the other side of the horse to kind of get her to stand still sometimes, which isn't, that's kind of a ding on me then because you're not on the same side as the judge. So that was something we practiced at home. So, and of course, I don't have anybody I ride with here. It's just usually me and a dog or two that follows me and goes riding with me. So anytime I have somebody visiting or somebody here, I'll get my horse out and then I'll try to recreate that check-in scenario and I'll have them pretend like they're checking in my horse and I'll practice trying to get that horse to stand still. So that's a, that's a little example, I guess. And I imagine that the horse has gotten better. Yes. Yes. Yeah, very cool. Although there's times. <laughs> <laughs> it's not automatic always. We were checking in one time, and things were going really well until this gravel truck comes barreling by, <laughs> not too far from where we were at. And that kind of, she reacted to that. There's something, obviously something I hadn't desensitized her to. And then I think another time there was a, a nearby train that went by. Well, we don't have trains close to our house, so that <laughs> desensitized her to that. So there's always something maybe, but you know, the more you ride with your horse and ride your horse and the more miles you get out of the saddle, you know, that, that partnership just continues to grow and the horse looks forward to it. Of course you look forward to the rides as well. And Natrack really helps build that partnership between you and your horse. Very cool. It's been a lot of fun catching up with you, John. If people want to know more about, Natrack and how they can participate in a ride, where shall we send them? I would send them to our webpage. Of course, we're on social media and stuff too. You can find that information on the on the webpage. And the URL for the North American Trail Ride Conference is natrc.org. O-R-G. Very cool. And there's just a wealth of information on there to get you started information about our sport, uh, it's got a ride schedule, calendar. We do webinars as a member benefit. We do a webinar usually more in the summer, just kind of varies, but five or six during the year, usually once a month or sometimes once every other month, about topics that are beneficial to our riders. We've got a virtual uh, mileage contest that we do also. So like you said, you only had ride or two that's kind of close to where you are Uh but if you still want to kind of do some competing and be involved with our sport you can do our natrack mileage challenge which is a virtual mileage challenge and we've partnered with top trail the organization that does this so yeah riders will keep track of their mileage with their gps usually on their phone Uh uh, upload their trails and miles to top trail and and compete against other Natrack members on who can get the most miles in 
<laughs> it's a lot of fun. And Very cool. The neat thing about the talk trail, it gives you instant results immediately as soon as you upload the, the miles. So awesome. There's a lot of information on the webpage. Yeah, reach out to any member. You know, They'd be more than willing to share with you more information and encourage you and help you. And just like back in the day when that neighbor girl <laughs> came riding by her horse and starts talking about day track because her friend did it. Yeah. You just never know how you might stumble into it. And it's just a, a lot of positive fun. It takes trail riding to a whole new level. Now when I go riding with just my friends and just a regular trail ride, it's not, it's fun. I enjoy the heck out of it. I'm not criticizing it, but it's just not quite the same as what we were doing <laughs> competitive trail ride there you go and something kind of occurred to me while you were talking about the uh, virtual rides and yet the podcast is heard all over the world so even though it's north american trail riding conference if you've got that app and you're riding in canada australia or great britain or some or any of the countries that hear this podcast you can join those virtual rides and participate absolutely absolutely it's just a lot of fun. I use it for motivation. Conditioning miles, you know, they're, they're fun. and You know, you got to keep, keep at it, you know. And using the top trail as a motivation, you know. I'm, I may not get the most miles of somebody, but I'll try to see if I can move up a level or two, you know. <laughs> and you just use it to challenge yourself. And, yeah, definitely use it for motivation. And it's fun. It's just plain cool. fun. I'm going to check that out. Well, like I said, John, it's been great fun catching up with you. I hope uh, we get to get together one day and, and go on a ride. Yes, that would be awesome and then some. Very cool. And that does it for this episode. Thanks to the president of the North American Trail Riding Conference, John Zeliff, for spending time today talking about trail riding. Plus, I really appreciate the friendship and support of this podcast John has offered over the years. You can find NATRC on Facebook and at NATRC.org. I'll have the links at woepodcast.com. If you have any show ideas or suggestions for future guests, reach out to me at john at woepodcast.com or connect with me on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram under the name woepodcast. I look forward to hearing from you. Thanks again for sharing the podcast with your friends and writing buddies. Until next time, for Renee, this is John Hare saying, go have some fun with your horses. Bye-bye, everybody.